From KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Hello and welcome to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. Beaverton Mayor Lacey Beatty is the city's youngest mayor and first female mayor. And as one of our region's newest mayors, she's calling on other elected leaders, business leaders, community partners, and citizens to come together to solve the area's most pressing problems. At the recent Westside Economic Alliance Mayor's Forum, she had two minutes for opening comments and she said she could spend the time bragging about all the good things happening in Beaverton. And there are many, she said, but in Instead, she chose to use her time for a call to action to address gun violence, the climate crisis, the lack of affordable child care and homelessness. Mayor Beatty joins us now with her call to action. And don't worry, we'll also get a chance to hear about what she calls the rad things happening in her city of Beaverton. Mayor, welcome back to Straight Talk. It's nice to have you here. Thanks for having me back. It's one of my favorite places to come. Well, thank you so much. You know, you wore a t-shirt that said Moms Demand Action to the Westside Mayor's Forum. And this was right after the horrific shooting of school children and teachers in Texas. How were you feeling at that moment, not just as a mayor, but as a mom? You know, as a mom, I think I felt what a lot of parents in this region and this country felt, which is disappointment in our lack of action to protect our young people. You know, as a war veteran, I felt unsafe for the first time in a long time. When I dropped my daughter off at school that next day, I had a similar feeling that I did when I was 19 years old in a war zone, but I wasn't in Iraq, I was in America. And you tweeted about that, and we'll show the tweet where you talked about those mixed feelings of terror and like you had no control when you were deployed in Iraq, but you said this is America, not a war zone. We have the capacity to stop this, but not the guts. You ended with the hashtag enough is enough. What action do you want to see from your fellow mayors? What's your call to action? You know, I think we need to have a unified voice uh, in our state capital, and we need to work towards banning automatic weapons in this state. My hope would be we would do it across the country, but Oregon is forward thinking. We do things ahead of our peers. So let's do this thing to make sure that young people, that our young Oregonians are safe. We can do that. We can make the next meaningful step in gun control. We know people wanna have universal background checks. We know people want safe storage. We know Americans would support a ban on automatic weapons. And furthermore, we know a ban would work because it has in this country before. And let's talk specifically about some of those things that you're mentioning, because there's a group of faith leaders in Portland trying to get an initiative on the ballot that would require people to get a permit and pass a background check you mentioned before buying a gun. And it would stop the sale of gun magazines with more than 10 rounds. And there's a second initiative that would ban the sale of many kinds of semi-automatic style guns in Oregon. And those who already own those types of guns would have to register them. Do you support those gun measures? Of course, I think it's a meaningful first step in the direction that we need to go. From somebody who has seen what an automatic weapon does to a human body, you will never unsee that. We don't need our young people worried about that when they're trying to get an education. So yeah, I would support reasonable gun measures like that. And are, are you a gun owner yourself? I am a gun owner. So you think there are gun owners in Oregon who would support reasonable measures like that? Of course, I think I don't own an automatic weapon. I don't know a lot of people that do. I think that we could, we, we fail to think about first steps. We always want 
you know, simple sentence solutions to complex problems. No one is trying to make sure that people can't own guns. We're trying to make sure that what happened in schools cannot happen again. And the community of Beaverton was hit with another tragedy, something different, but just as horrific recently. And I'm sure it was tough for you, both as a mayor and a mother, the murder last month of 13-year-old Milana Lee, who lived with her family in southwest Beaverton. Her body was found in a park in a shallow stream two days after she went missing. And a 16-year-old boy has now been charged with her murder. Milana was a beloved sixth grader. Mary, mayor, this tragedy must be tough on the whole community. I think it's the worst call a mayor can get, and it's the worst to have to communicate to a grieving community that we lost one of our young community members. I thought a lot about in that moment as a mom, I thought about her parents, I thought about her teachers, I thought about the cops that found her, and I think about you know my own daughter and how it happened not too far from my own house. And I know our community wants answers. I know they want to know why, and our police department is working around the clock to make sure that we can provide those answers. And we want to send here at KGW our deepest sympathy. I know our viewers do too, and love to Milana's family and friends and the entire community. On another topic, Mayor, you said homelessness is not just a Portland problem, it's a region-wide concern. And with the help of funds from the American Rescue Act, you're planning to build a permanent year-round shelter. And this is the building that we showed at Southwest Beaverton Hillsdale Highway. What's the latest on that? You know, I'm pretty excited about this. Um, we secured the funds to purchase this building so we didn't have to do it through taxpayer, uh, through our taxpayers. Through our partnership with Metro and Washington County, they're gonna operate this shelter for us. And we're working with the federal government right now to be able to secure a systems navigator. So that way, when you go into the shelter, there's somebody there to help you move from a sheltering into permanent and stable housing. This isn't just a Portland problem. We like to think about this as something that's happening in Portland. It's happening in our own community too. And I wanna make sure that we uh, instill dignity for people that are experiencing homelessness. And this is the first step in doing that. This isn't the solution that solves homelessness, but this gets us one step closer to solving that problem. And it, it's a regional solution. Hillsborough's opening a shelter, we're opening a shelter. We know if we do this stuff in tandem with each other, we're gonna have positive outcomes. Do you have a timeline at all for when that might be open? We're hoping by next year. So we purchased the building. The council decided to purchase that building just a month ago. So now we're working through what tenant improvements would look like, operator agreements. We're meeting with businesses around the shelter and we're gonna to have to have conversations about with our community about what kind of shelter is this gonna be? We know that we have some tough conversations ahead of us, but we know that we have to get this done for our community. And do you have an idea of how many people this place could shelter? We're hoping around 100, um, but it's, we're gonna work with the county on that based on time and point counts for the county. And something that goes along with talking about homelessness is the need for affordable housing. And you're opening a big affordable housing development soon on South Cooper Mountain on a thousand acres that were added to the urban growth boundary. I think I, it holds about 4,000 households. How did this all come together and what does it mean to the community? I think it means everything to the community. It means that we were strategic. It's not a guarantee when we do massive development like we're doing in South Cooper Mountain that affordable housing is gonna be there. But this council and this timestamp has made it a priority to address affordable housing. So we worked with a, a really cool uh, 
developer. We have really cool people working on this project. And we're going to be able to put affordable housing in a place where it might not exist if there wasn't government intervention. And is there senior housing included in that too? Not in this particular one, but our third project that we're doing with the Metro affordable housing bond that voters approved uh, three years ago will be a senior dedicated uh, affordable housing complex in downtown Beaverton across the street from our library. And we think that's a home run. We're gonna put seniors right in the heart of our community and create a place where they can age in place gracefully and dignified. And so while uh, there there is predominantly for families in South Cooper Mountain, we're gonna have an entire complex dedicated to the seniors of our community. Let's talk about some big plans for Beaverton, the Loop Project to improve walking, biking, and transit on two downtown streets that link key places in the city's growing regional center. And on Wednesday, you see here you and Congresswoman Bonamici took a walking tour. I understand she's a big fan of the Loop, selected the Loop Project as a top contender for a possible $4 million in funding. What did she think about the tour? What did she tell you? And, and how promising is it that Beaverton might get these needed funds? I think it's really promising. And I was told I can only use one rad per interview, so I'm gonna use it right now. <laughs> this project is super rad. We're bringing all of these restaurants into downtown Beaverton, where we opened 26 restaurants during the pandemic. We have the library and the affordable senior housing project that I talked about that's gonna be on one end of the loop and our Patricia Research Center for Arts on the other. So they're gonna be our two capstones. In between those two points is a rail line, a max line, two state highways, and two streets that go one direction. So we know if we're gonna to continue to uh, prioritize pedestrian experience in our downtown core, that we need to have investment from our federal government and the state government to do so. So we have been writing grants, we have been bringing thought leaders together, we've been working with our community about what it would look like in the future of this road. And this would be one of Beaverton's biggest projects. And it really means Beaverton's growing up. We have a lot of stuff happening here. And to have the Congresswoman and our state, our, our state senators also agree that this project goes to the top of the list, that's a testament to the hard work our staff have done and the council for making hard decisions about prioritizing people over cars. Any idea when you might find out about the funding? We're hoping midsummer. that's what they're telling us. But as you know, the federal government operates on their own timeline. So let's say you get the money this summer, when could you get started? So we're gonna, if we get the planning grant, which is what we applied for and the $4 million to start construction, we're hoping to be able to start all of the planning for the entire loop and get going by next year. There is, when they give you money, of course, they expect results. And so we're ready to meet that timeline. Well, this is a topic I know is important to you. And I also know uh, it's important to Congresswoman Bonamici. She's been on the show talking about this, providing affordable childcare. And you've said we have a childcare crisis in our community. Will you describe the situation in Beaverton? We are in a childcare desert in this community. There is not enough uh, centers for the, our young people. And what they we do have is really expensive. As a mom of a preschooler, that pays nearly as much for childcare as I do for my mortgage, I think we have to do rapid intervention. We tend to talk about this as just a parent issue, but from the mayor's seat, this is an economic issue as well. This is a business issue. As we're getting people back into the workforce, as we're getting people back into the offices, we need to think about what's happening with our young people. And we know that an early start to education has lifelong learning uh, um, outcomes. 
and we need to invest in the young people in our community. So I've been working with region leaders about what it would look like to bring universal pre-K to Beaverton, similar to what happened in Multnomah County. We know we have some challenges, but this is a must do for our community, not a I wish we can do. I know you're part of a Washington County task force working on, on that ballot measure you mentioned for universal preschool. Tell us about where that stands. So we're hoping to make a decision here in the next couple of weeks of whether we're going to bring it to the voters or not this year. We know we're trying to um, uh, solve a lot of problems really quickly in a time where people, you know, are experiencing a lot of financial issues with inflation and everything else. So we're working through these problems and we're hoping by, you know, midsummer we'll know what we're going to do with it. And one of your calls to action that I mentioned earlier for area mayors and business leaders is to address the climate crisis. And the city of Beaverton does have a climate action task force. You've tried to include, I understand, more young people on that task force. What do you hope that this task force can accomplish? Well, I think we need to recognize as a society that the work that we're doing on climate chaos is not nearly fast enough. The, the generation before mine left it to my generation to solve, and I do not want to leave it to our children. We need to take aggressive steps to address climate change today and not tomorrow. So seating a climate action task force here at the city was my number one priority when I got elected. It is comprised mostly of younger members and, and people of color. I wanted to make sure that people most impacted by climate chaos had a seat at the table. So they're working through recommendations to council. They're gonna serve as an oversight for a climate action plan. And they're gonna make sure that we do what we promised we were gonna do, was start writing policies around our buildings and tree codes and all of those things that we've talked about. Now we have a, a community-driven process that's gonna keep us moving forward. Well, along with this task force, how do you envision, let's say, a public-private partnership, because it can't be all government, working together to try to make a difference when it comes to climate change? Oh, you're speaking my love language now. Public-private partnerships is the way that we make things happen in this community. We have to get businesses involved in everything that we're doing because it's not just government and it's not just consumers. We tend to put a lot of emphasis on people's use of products versus where it's generated and businesses playing in that. So we know that the majority of emissions are actually from buildings. So I spent all of last year in the legislative session trying to get the city to have control over our own building codes so we can start addressing climate change. So we're ready to walk the talk. We're gonna bring people to the table to help us solve it. And now we have a community members in the mix as well. When you were at that mayor's forum and made your call to action, what kind of response did you get? I think overwhelmingly positive. What we learned in the pandemic is a lesson I hope that we move forward. We can do great things together. If we check ego at the door, if we make sure that we have our community members' best interests out in front of us, there's a natural position for business, community, and government to work together. And I would say after, after the meeting, I had a lot of people say they were excited to, for the prospect of working together. And sometimes I feel like people are just waiting to be asked. Well, Mayor, it's time for us to take a break, but we'll find out about some more of the exciting things happening in Beaverton and also hear about how its new form of government is working. We're back in two minutes.
Welcome back to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter, and we're talking with Beaverton Mayor Lacey Beatty. Mayor, once again, welcome. So nice to have you here. And I want to talk about some of what you call, and you said you could only say it once, but I haven't said it more than, I guess this is my second time, the rad things that Beaverton has done. And you highlighted some in your creative State of the City address delivered virtually earlier this year. Let's take a look. Is that I banana? Mean, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Nutella. So yeah, okay. Nutella, banana. Perfect. Yeah. Hey, Mayor, we're ready for you. All right, I'm on my way. That was a mayor. Yeah, no kidding. I like the scooter. Oh, that is so fun. You, you got to love the scooter. And I can't help but noticing uh, if you if we could get a single shot on you. I think the scooter is behind you. Do you really ride that around town? I do. If I have meetings close by, you know, uh, the, the, the unintended consequence of a community growing is lack of parking. So if I could take the scooter to some of my meetings, I do. It's super fun. Great idea. Well, you highlighted in your state of a city how much the city's invested in restaurants, and you talked a little bit about that at the top of the show. You have Restaurant Row. And besides federal dollars, the city of Beaverton provided grants, and you emphasize woman-owned and BIPOC-owned businesses. How have you seen the city's restaurants not just thrive, or not just survive, but they thrive? Yeah, I think, you know, everyone wants to know what our secret is because we have something special going on in downtown Beaverton for sure. And I would say it was very intentional. We wanted restaurants. We wanted regional chains. We wanted Beaverton to be a restaurant destination here in Washington County to partner with our Patricia Research Center for the Arts and, you know, for our vibrant community to not have to travel for good restaurants. So we invested money from our general fund and storefront improvements and recruiting. Um, I know our economic development staff would literally go to restaurants in Portland and ask to talk to the owner and woo them to Beaverton. And so we left no rock unturned and we, we have some really great, we have whole bowl, we have sizzle pie, we have uh, salt and straw that's opening, we have Big's Chicken, we have two breweries that are opening downtown. I think people really recognize that this is a really fun place to be and you don't have to go really far to get really good restaurants and a really good experience. And you've tried to address racial inequities too, right? Of course. So over half of our grants went to women-owned business and two-thirds went to people of color. Beaverton is the most diverse city in the Northwest. We want to make sure that not just the usual suspects get access to city dollars. We want to make sure that we give it to people that have been here, that want to do business here, and reflect our community. And so we're really intentional in our grant cycling. We partner with our Chamber of Commerce. We go to meet businesses where they are. We don't just send out letters. We do a lot of on-the-ground marketing, going to restaurants, knocking on the door, other businesses, to make sure they know about the kind of money that we're giving away and really when you look at who we've given money to it is pretty awesome and we have an amazing staff here at the city that listened to council directive of what we want and they made it happen in a way where we see so much success and i think that's what i'm really proud of this year the city of Beaverton is also operating with a new form of government. Before 2021, the city had what is called a strong mayor form of government. The mayor set the agenda and supervised staff. Voters approved a change, and now Beaverton has a council manager form of government. Voters elect the city council members and the mayor. Then the mayor and the council hired a city manager. Mayor Beatty, how is this new form of government working for you? 
Well, I hope in a time in the future, it's just the way that we do business. But one of the things, I think one of the harder parts that council hadn't realized was the adjustment period. It was about you know hiring a new city manager. We instituted term limits at the same time. We brought in a new mayor and then we had an interim city manager. So we've been operating with our permanent manager for almost a year now. And she really handles the day-to-day -day operations, our staff, the, the maintenance of the buildings. And I get to do fun mayor things. I get to convene conversations. I got to work on regional problems. You know, my number one job is a relationship uh, relationship building. And there's no shortcut to that. I spend a lot of time meeting with uh, leaders around the region, having conversations about joint outcomes and really thinking about how do we move policy forward? But it is a little bit challenging for our community that is accustomed to a mayor that's able to just implement change. And so for me, I have to really get the uh, the council behind me. So nothing, nothing can really be done very quickly, but it's done with community focused in mind. Well, Portland voters may also be choosing whether to switch to a city manager form of government after having a commission form of government for more than 100 years. Do you have any thoughts you'd like to share with Portlanders about possibly making a change like that? I would say, you know, if you live in Portland, and I think Portland elected officials too will say that the way that their government is structured does not work the best for their community. I think that they, the way that they went about suggesting a change, putting together a charter commission, bringing people from across the region together to make suggestions, what Portland has in front of them is a really good plan. One of the big difference between our change of government and theirs was that the mayor still is going to be held accountable. He's going to hire the city manager and the buck stops with somebody, right? And I think that's a really important aspect because at some point, somebody has to be the one that's held accountable for actions. And so if I lived in Portland, I would be voting for that charter amendment. I want to talk about uh, some personal things because, um, you know, you have a, a life outside of government and you were telling me during the break that you have something really exciting that you're doing this weekend and why it's so important to you. Tell us about that. I don't know if my husband would agree that I have a life outside of government, but we are <laughs> trying. Um, you know, a lot of people that know me know that my husband and I do a lot of obstacle course racing. If you come over to the mayor's house, we have obstacles built in our backyard. Uh, we have adult sized monkey bars. We have tall inverted walls. We have a lot of really cool stuff happening. So we're going to go run our first Spartan race of the season. We're actually going to run two because as the mayor, I can't take a lot of time off. So I got to get as much in in one weekend as possible. So we're going to go and run the first Spartan race of the season. What I know about parenting in a pandemic, working in a pandemic, and now leading a city in a pandemic is that I really have to focus on my own health. It's the first thing that we often put on the back burner as leaders, as parents. And I really wanna make sure that I know to be the best mayor I could be, to be the best mom, to be the best spouse. If I exercise and I take care of myself, that I'm really able to be there for the community. As an army veteran, as somebody that played sports my entire life, I know that's what that is really important to me. So this weekend, it's going to be just total fun and sunshine, running obstacle course races. I'm not nearly in the shape I need to be to uh, that I have been in the past, but I'm I'm excited for some fun. And you're starting your your daughter young too. I think you told me she's four years old, and she's going to be competing. She is. She's going to run her first Spartan race on Sunday. We, the unofficial motto in the Beatty house is do hard things. And so we want her to grow up with that mentality of we got to do hard things. 
big risk, big reward. She is really excited. As a matter of fact, when I dropped her off at school today, her teacher asked me and said, is your daughter really running in a Spartan race? She's been talking about it all week. So she's excited. I think she's mostly excited to sleep in a hotel like most young people. <laughs> so this is like a golden vacation for her, running a Spartan race, going to a hotel. We wish you all the best of luck. There's so much more we could talk about, but we're about out of time. Uh, but I have about 45 seconds for you to share some final thoughts with our viewers. Listen, I want our community to thrive. We are doing really awesome things. We know coming out of this pandemic that we got to rebuild together and build the community we want our children to grow up in. So if you have a great idea about the city, if you want to reach out and talk to me, I'm probably the easiest elected official to find. Come tell me your great ideas. We can do cool stuff together. Well, we really appreciate your coming on Straight Talk and we hope that you'll come back. We enjoyed the conversation and good luck with the Spartan races. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor Lacey Beatty. And thank you so much for joining us. Join us next week when our guest is candidate for Oregon governor, unaffiliated candidate Betsy Johnson. We'll see you next week for Straight Talk. And we want to remind you, you can get Straight Talk as a podcast. All you have to do is search for KGW Straight Talk wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again, and we hope you have a great week.